Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of China Manufacturing Decoded, our weekly podcast. And today, Clive Greenwood is coming back. He's been on the show multiple times in the past. And actually, uh, Clive has a little bit of a piece of news for us. Uh, over the past few weeks, he's made a move, professional move. And he is now senior partner and head of manufacturing compliance services at a law firm called Guangdong Liang Ma Law. Hi, Clive. And can you tell us just a little bit more about this? And th this is a mid-size or even relatively large law firm in, in China, isn't it? Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Yes, I was approached by by the law firm um, because we were doing some cases together, and um, they asked me about the possibility of joining their their organization uh, and linking my compliance company with their law firm, which made perfect sense. Um, mm. It's relatively large, 105 resident lawyers. Mm. The company is a, a company which specializes in corporate law. Um, they do mergers, acquisitions, contract law, and things like this. Um, we just believe that because of the new regulations and the greater role that compliance is going to be uh, imposing itself on cor corporate life, it just made sense that they brought in someone with experience of running compliance companies. So that's why it just seem to work it's a very nice seamless operation where you know, i have got the backing of a large law firm should we need to legalize documents or um prosecute people for obviously mm -hmm. infringements on copy of contracts and things like this that don't meet standards um it also means as well that i can bring in um corporate lawyers within to the organizational structure of what SMC was trying to do. Right, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you, you've been touching on legal legal matters uh, a lot, right, in your compliance uh, work. So uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. All right, thanks. So today we are talking about a relatively hot topic. It is the risk of cheap batteries coming from China. All right. And we don't want to make it, you know, very controversial or anything, but actually we discussed this a little bit offline and we think this is going to be a major, major source of worries uh, in years to come. And we're just starting to see some of that. Uh, what prompted our discussion was a uh, an article in the Telegraph, uh, that, that UK um, newspaper, I think it was just yesterday, right? So again, there was an electric scooter caught fire in a house, and then they took they took they took photos of the fire and everything. Okay, this is this is terrible. Uh, and then this the um, the journalist cited research by EV Fire Safe, a research firm funded by the Australian Department of Defense, that suggests that around the world in the year to date. So we're about halfway, a little bit more than halfway through 2023, right? Electric cars have suffered 44 battery fires, causing four deaths. At the same time, e-bikes and e-scooters have caused 500 fires, 100, 
138 injuries and 36 deaths. And this is just what comes out in the news, right? We don't, we don't know everything. These are already scary numbers, right? But the batteries and electric vehicles in general are on such a trajectory, it's going to become a major source of, of worry. And just this past, uh, this past week, for those who, who, who like to follow the, the news, you've certainly heard of that ship. I think it's called the Fremantle Highway. Yeah, I have it here. Fremantle Highway in, in the North Sea, okay, in, uh, just off the coast of, um, of the Netherlands. And it seems like one, they, they had a, some electric cars and, and still a, a majority of internal, internal combustion engine cars. And one of the electrical uh, electric uh, vehicles caught fire and then, you know, the fire kind of propagated and they were unable to, to, to catch it. I think uh, one member of the crew died. I mean, is you know, and now the, 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 the whole ship is sort of abandoned and uh, moved mm. around. I mean, the, the whole terrible. ship went up like a Roman candle. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you have loss of life, but you also have, you know, an amazing amount of property damaged, right? All of these these other cars, because they, they had thousands, like 300 cars on it, 3,000 cars, sorry. So, an enormous economic catastrophe, let's say. Okay, but this probably is just the, the start of it. So, let's have a good look into uh, batteries, right? And we're going to look at batteries from two sides because there's really two, two major risks. There's the safety risk and there's the sustainability risk, right? Touched on it a little bit, and we'll also touch on the sustainable, sustainability risks, uh, the, the risk to the environment, basically. Let's just start by looking at the life cycle of a battery, right? And, and let's look at the, 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 the sources of risks here. So first, a battery is designed, right? When it's designed, does it have sufficient protection against shocks, etc.? Remember the Samsung Note 7, when it was hit at a certain angle with a certain force, it could cause a short circuit and, and things like that, right? And that caused a lot of problems. Also... Uh, is there a proper battery management system, et cetera, et cetera. So design is, is quite important. If you buy batteries from a Chinese supplier and you don't know how it's been designed, uh, you better do a lot of testing, right? Well, well, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, to, what we were talking about is something that which is called thermal runaway. Looking at the safety aspect of this, as you say, there are two aspects to the safety. One there is the extraction and and the processing and the refinement of the raw material. Then there's the actual manufacturing of it of the battery. Then there's the use of it. Then there's the disposal of it. And there is significant risk at each one of these stages. Each one of these stages is supposedly covered by both EU and UN regulations. And we'll we'll get to the regulations just a little bit later. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to say something. I'm trying not to say something actually, but the 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 safety aspect of this, and the manufacturing aspect of this, and the standards which must be followed, and the new standards are are basically all just going to come together. 
at, at some point in the very, very near future. Whether or not you're using sustainability or, or eco design, which you were alluding to then, or you're looking at EN and, and UN environmental protection of the extraction side of it. And then you're looking as well at health and safety on the processing side of things. And then at the end of this, you've also got to look at the disposal risk as well, because the disposal risk at the end of life is fire and groundwater contamination. So the, the, the safety risk for me is complete throughout the whole life cycle of, that, of, of these products. Right. And even so, beyond. Right. So you mentioned, okay, we mentioned design a little bit. Uh, raw material extraction, obviously, that can cause um, a lot of environmental degradation, right? The way they extract uh, the lithium, um, cobalt, the nickel, and whatever is needed for these batteries. Uh, we're talking <laughs> a lot of materials extracted uh, in, in, in places where they, they don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to, uh, to to the environment. And in some cases, there's also human rights issues, right? When it's in, in some places in Western Africa. Yeah. I mean, when you look at a lithium-ion battery, you've got to remember, you are dealing here with a Class D, enviro- uh, a Class D hazardous product. Yeah. Yeah, the, product, okay. the finished product, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But if you look at... Well, where where does the safety and the, the regulations combine? And at this moment in time, the adherence to safety in the product life cycle has not been policed. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure when you buy Panasonic or Sony or Samsung batteries, there's been a lot of care to some of these points, right? They they, they make sure that the, the yeah the manufacturing is done uh, to the right standards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? Um, yeah, the other reason that they do that is because that 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 Samsung got their shirts handed to them. Also, yeah, Samsung by not really, fo- yeah. by exactly not following the regulations. These regulations, uh, yeah. by the way, have been in place since two thousand and six. Yeah, Samsung is 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 a deep topic, right? Uh, but yeah. the, the the main problem is that there's now so many manufacturers of battery cells and 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 battery uh, packs in China. It's, I mean, and there's everything, right? From the the very good to the flight out operations. Yeah, we are back in the mask country again. Sort of, yes. There's a lot of parallels, actually, to the the PPE uh, debacle of 2020, Uh, and this might appear uh, in 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 the coming years, definitely. uh, By the way, you um, just to illustrate the difference between proper batteries and proper, let's say, um, uh, modules around the batteries. Yeah. Versus. The, the the cheap stuff you can buy in China. Okay, I think you have a uh, some anecdotes uh, anecdotes to 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 share here from your own uh, experience of uh, having to to procure some of these uh, these modules for for your own electrical vehicle. Yes. Well. Okay. 
the equipment which I, I mean, what I did is I built uh, an electric superbike, um, top speed of 140 kilometers per hour, a range of just shy of 200 kilometers. Drives like a real bike, handles like a real bike, and as fast as a real bike, and as sexy looking as a real bike. What I did is I took the battery, the controller, the BMS, which controls the the battery management system, the inverter and converter, the thermal detection systems. All of these I bought in China. They all met all the regulations and standards. The problem is they were four times the price of what I could have bought by going to a not-so-high-spec. Okay, so when you say fully certified, does it mean to Chinese uh, regulations or to EU? No, to European. Right, okay. So the good products... Uh, that are okay to sell in the EU uh, and that comply with EU requirements are four times more expensive overall to I used, Yes, the ones that I used, yes. Wow. <laughs> and then people are surprised when there's some non-compliant cheap products that, that catch fire. Yeah, It is chalk and cheese, to be honest with you, Ryan. Oh, we, we, I mean, I put two thermal detectors on the bike one over the top of the battery and the other one over the top of the inverter converter. Mm-hmm. Those then both powered relays, which actually cuts not only the, the feed, the main circuit breaker, but also a secondary circuit breaker. The secondary circuit breaker was there that it would also cut off. If I was charging the bike, it would cut off the charger at source. It would disc mm. physically disconnect the charger mm. and and not rely on the cutoff within the charger. Right, right, right. So it, it would physically I mean, disconnect the power. Yes. If you were designing, let's say, an airplane, you would think of all these things and they would be standard plus some extra requirements, extra redundancy, extra failsafe, etc. Right. But here yeah. we're talking about a uh, electric bike. And what you would buy typically in China doesn't come with all these safety aspects, right? No. It comes with, basically, you buy these things, even the good ones. Okay, If you talk about a good one, it's probably going to cost you about, say, 5,000 renminbi. I mean, my, to give you some idea, the bike that I, I built is 35,000 renminbi. Yeah. yeah. They cut the, these other ones, they come with a standard household circuit breaker. Mm. Okay. An earth leakage circuit right. breaker. Right, right. That requires an earth. On an, on, on an electric bike. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Last I, last I looked, most bikes have got rubber tires. Oh. <laughs> so that calls for standards. <laughs> that calls for requirements for everybody, right? Well, it, we totally said we wanted to talk about the safety. That is the safety. Right. Be- because if you look at the the vast majority of household instances regarding fire has been caused during charging. Right. Now, yeah. the regular heat up. It eats up to a fantastic amount. Mm. 
And we have to look at, you know, the safety of this. I mean, in Europe, most people live, shall we say, in a house with a garage and they do, they put the bike in the garage and charge it up overnight. Mm. Okay. Boom. A lithium iron or lithium hydroxide battery runs at it burns in okay. The thermal runaway starts at 150 degrees C. On certain batteries. Yeah. Actually, when they're good batteries, right? When they're good. This is when they're good. Mm -hmm. All right. But that can be as much as 40 degrees C. Wow. So so there's some bad batteries. Yeah. Now, that's what you get here is a thermal runaway. Once the thermal activity starts, it cannot be stopped. Mm. Lithium-ion batteries burn at 500 degrees C. That's 932 degrees Fahrenheit. You're at the point here of steel melting. Mm. So I'll admit you for sure. In, in your garage or in your home. And you've got that in your garage next to your car, which is probably full of fuel. Or no, you've put it in itself, <laughs> electric, yeah. and itself has some batteries. And and okay, then you get the same, okay? Now, yeah. to put, if this thing catches fire, you must have, it's called a Class B fire. So you have a Class D product, a Class B fire. That fire can only be put out with a dry chemical extinguisher or an ABC extinguisher, how many people have those in their garage? Yeah. So if you pour water on it, it goes bang. It's even worse. And it it's even worse. Smoke. No, it, it, well, there's two things that happen. One is if the cells are being exposed, you actually get a short circuit, which causes even more fire. And secondly, it burns and bubbles very much the same as, say, a um, a, a chip fire, a chip pan fire. If you pour water on an, on an oil fire, mm. it's just all over the place, yeah? Mm. The chemicals which it is giving off, this goes back to the processing and extraction. Mm. It This gives off hydrofluoric acid. So if you have a lithium ion fire it gives off hydrofluoric acid and now if it's vaporized it is vaporized hydrofluoric acid now if you get hydrofluoric acid on your skin you'll see that the burns it turns all your skin white and flaky and mm -hmm. gets in your lungs you can die you can die for sure and not very nicely as well mm. All right. So this thing, if it's in your house and it's going up and you've got this circulating in your house and you're asleep. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. Which also brings us to the eco design side of things and sustainability and the LCA, because if you put this thing into a landfill where 85 or so percent already go, you have a thermal runaway and you've got hydrofluoric acid leaking into the groundwater. Yeah. Which can cause all kinds of health issues. Which causes all sorts of, of issues, yeah. Mm. So this is why I say that the, the whole concept of the uh, health and safety, the monitoring of the health and safety, the design and, 
and the extraction and the end of use are all really one subject and need to be covered by a very robust set of compliance requirements. Mm-hmm. Ones Which that we are was... simply not getting now. Well, things are moving, right? There have been, there, there are some efforts at developing regulations. Uh, well, yes, okay. The, um, the new regulations, new EN standards, six, um, EN 6086-4, which is safety of lithium-ion batteries, or lithium-ion and lithium-ion metal batteries, EN 62133, which is the safety of portable cells, and EN six one nine six zero, which is specific performance of the testing of these, which brings us to something which is called now, which is going to you're going to hear an awful lot about, which is called the GPSD, stands for General Product Safety Declarations. Now, this is where the new EU laws come in because. I've talked about the fire things. Let's now look at what the the actual regulations. The things at the moment have been covered by an EU declaration, which was two uh, two thousand and six sixty six EC. That is now being replaced, and this was this was brought to uh, prop before Parliament uh, in June two thousand and twenty three, so a couple of months ago, and it specifically deals with traceability throughout the supply chain from extraction all the way through to destruction or renewal. This is a really big point. I just want to emphasize it. For all the companies that buy some um, electric electronic devices that include a battery, this is going to apply here to you, to your finished product. Because there is the no there is no distinction made between the operation of the battery. The distinction is made on the material it's made from, not its right. size or its power. Right, right. So a lot of the is this regulation will not apply to 100% of the batteries, but to a lot of the batteries, including electric vehicles. It, right. No, this regulation applies to all lithium metal batteries, no matter the size. Okay. Okay. And. When it comes to, uh, you mentioned supply chain transparency, um, mm-hmm. the, the, the requirements are going to be a shock <laughs> to a lot of people, right? They're not used to it. Because I remember, I mean, a lot of our clients, when we say, okay, okay, so let's look at the critical components in your product, right? Okay, yeah. PCBA, display, battery, da, 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 you know, where is it made? Yep. And they're mm-hmm. like, ooh, the battery, you know, this, this supplier, but I don't know. Do they do the just the packing or they also make the sales? Mm, I'm not sure. So we go have a look, right? Um, but if they make the sales, doesn't mean they make the sales for this battery. Maybe they, they buy outside and everything. Again, it, it, again, we are using words within the regulations which state that any person or body who makes the product available to the market. Yeah, they they must know all of this. They must put together the technical folder. They must know where the packing is made, where the sales are made, and yeah. even they must have. And it must appear on the product. Right. Okay. Right. 
So if you look at the the, the regulations now, okay, we, we are looking at the UN 38.8, which brings into a part the 3090, 3480, 3830 in the regulation here, and I've got, I actually took the words, okay? Evidence of manufacturing compliance, which will record technical reports, manufacturing data reports, the control of product and the importers and manufacturers at all stages will report on either their individual tax code or the EC tax code. And must be com- must be complete with a product compliance statement according to the GPSD. Think about it. So there's a, a little bit more than just testing of the. Product. It's an awful lot more just testing. You've also, according to this as well, you've got to put who your compliance officer is and contact details on the product. Remember, we said that. You're now going to take in part of the uh, eco-design and sustainability regulation. This is now coming into this one. Remember, lithium-ion batteries were clearly stated as being a target on this uh, a year and a half ago. There is now going to be, in 2025, something which is called the Lithium Battery Registration Battery Passport. Right. Every battery will come with its own uh Digital passport, basically. Yeah. The requirement for that is total transparency from extraction of raw material through processing and use and the complete declaration in accordance with all the standards as we have wrote here in the great list of paperwork that I'll be reading from. Think about this. When, When we're looking at electric vehicles, scooters, or something which is called as personal mobility. We have to look at these now under the same way as we would do any automobile, which means you're going to be governed by 16949. So IATF 16949 is the only way. The standard for any automotive manufacturing. That goes into a... a vehicle, right? Yeah. So, obviously, the when I don't know Volkswagen or, or Tesla, the the if they buy some batteries outside, okay, maybe not Tesla, but let's say Volkswagen would buy some batteries mm-hmm. outside, they are going to require that the battery manufacturer is IATF sixty nine point nine certified and yes. does things accord and does their PPAP right? That they um, yeah. follows the yeah. approval process for the the components. Uh, and, and so on and so forth. So that's for this is, 
This is for automobiles, but for personal mobility products, they mm. do not and are not covered, really, mm. other than the general general requirement for product safety. That's the only thing that mm. they're required to be covered. The new regulations that come in 2025 will mean that they are treated exactly the same as any other vehicle. Wow. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I this is what I'm reading. Wow. Okay. Well, that if if they go on the public highway or in any street, basically public highway. Mm, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to push a lot of these battery suppliers out of the market, right? That's um, the intention. Yes. Okay. Now. I mean, th- this is fine when we are looking at automobile and personal mobility and batteries that are at, at the higher kilowatt hour range. Yeah. What they're doing is they're dropping that kilowatt hour range now to below two kilowatts. Hmm. That's one set of regulations. But they're clearly stating within the product safety with lithium batteries, because the biggest polluter is not car batteries. The biggest polluter is consumer electronic batteries. These days, these days, right? In 10 years, well, I'm not sure. I don't see, unless the reliability and sustainability in the circular economy starts to take hold with, with, with reality, then the mountain of discarded consumer electronics will just keep growing. The new yeah. regulation. By 2030, 83% of your product must be recyclable. Which regulation? For what kind of product are you talking for? That's all products. Okay. That's, I mean, that's under eco design and sustainability. Okay. In the EU, um, in the EU, yes. Regulation. This yeah. is one of the targets. Um, well, I don't see it being a target. I actually see it being now being cast in concrete. I mean, we discussed this before, right? I think the way they're doing is they have... Yeah, yeah, but how many people died? If people die, regulations come thick and fast. That's just the way that it is. I think it's clear this eco-design for sustainable product regulation is going to come into effect in the EU in 2024. uh, 2024. Yeah. And then... It sets like a horizontal set of requirements, including a digital product passport, etc. So it makes compliance harder to escape, right? Much more obvious, much easier uh, for everybody to change. Much more transparent. I think we, I think yeah, we, right. we should look at that from the start, which I believe to be the twenty fourth of May, twenty twenty four. The requirements for the LCAs and the CSRDs and things like this uh, are in there now. And if if you if you know if if you're not following the the requirements for LCAs, and you're buying life things from assessments. China, life cycle assessments, yeah, and you're buying from China and you haven't done it, now, you are behind the eight ball here. That's for I think this is this is one of the requirements for like building materials. Um, okay, building materials. Lithium-ion batteries or batteries or, or what they call uh, secondary cells, kitchen and household appliances, consumer electronics, textiles and fast fashion. Yeah, these are the, the sectors that are targeted first. 
Yeah, for every one of these sectors, they will have specific requirements, right? Uh, they will have. They they start off with a basic general requirement of design reliability and design for recyclability mm-hmm. or retasking or reuse. But whichever way it is going to be, it will all all start at transparency. No mm-hmm. matter what you do, the health and safety is now going to clearly point towards transparency. Yes, yes. the manufacturing process if you want is to going control. to clearly look at health and safety as well. Right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're talking about like hazardous products. The cross-border transportation of hazardous materials is going to become tighter because nobody's going to carry these things if they are not meeting these standards as oh. the ship which is now at the bottom of the North Sea shows. I, I'm not sure I went to the bottom of the sea. Now. Maybe not yet. Um, um, it doesn't look very well, does it? <laughs> does, yeah, it doesn't look like uh, they can yeah. use it next week. right? So, so, the, so, so the, the question's got to be, how are you going to ensure that as the importer, you are making an accurate and legally binding declaration that your products are safe? I am not talking about the CE mark alone now. Forget about the, we just sent them off to test and we got a certificate back and everything's fine. That boat has sailed. It has gone. You're now having to make a declaration of your product manufacturing compliance and naming your people who's in charge, your compliance officer, your representative, your EU rep. Who is it? Where are they? What's their telephone number? What's their email address? On the products. Now, I mean, we don't like to sort of like, uh, Big Brother is not watching you, but Big Brother certainly got his BDI on China and the Far East or anywhere which is renowned or has a history of, let's say, not being too married to the standards. Standards and, yeah, health and safety, sustainability and so on. Yeah, right. So just to give a bit of context to to the listeners here, everybody, sorry, everything you said after you mentioned UN uh, 38.3, right? Um, Eco-design for for, uh, sustainable products and also the uh, battery and waste battery um, regulation. These Mm -hmm. two upcoming regulations are still at the stage of proposal by the European Commission. They have not been voted in their final text yet. So we don't know the final text. I think that when when they actually say the 24th of May, 2024, you can bet that it's going to um, be the text that is now. Plus some details, right? Because there's a lot of small details that are not uh, not 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 known yet. I, I'm so not too not sure about that, to be honest with you, because the way that I read it, and and I read the way that the, the, they're linking existing CN and IEC and UN and URL standards together in, as as a component part of it. Right, right. So really, for for the listeners, if you sell products into the EU, you get to pay attention to uh, Clive what Clive just mentioned and uh, you you can find online the the proposals from the the EU commission it's already relatively clear i mean it's pretty clear what they want to do it's pretty clear how they want to do it and it's let's say 
90%. I would, I, I would say it's absolutely 99.9% sure of that's how they're going to do it as well. Yeah, usually they don't. The Commission or the Council are not going to take it in another direction. They're just going to, to discuss some practical matters, no. clarify it, confirm it, and then boom, it's uh, at the yeah. actual journal, right? Yes. Yeah. So it, It's physically uh, not going to change. No, no, no. We're definitely going in that direction. More transparency in the supply chain is going to be a must. Yeah, and I believe as well, there's going to have to be a quantum shift in monitoring of manufacturing control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. everything we just said, right? The very clear safety risks. People die every year, every month, certainly from, from, from uh, poor batteries. Regulations are catching up. Regulations are going to put more very clear liability on the importers. It's going to be a, a responsible party, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Regulations are going to ask for a number of things, including well, how can you have confidence in the manufacturing process? This is one of the things that are part of the technical folder, anyway, right? Yes, they are. But also, you got to look at what this is going to be looking at as well. What causes these so-called thermal runaway events? Okay, it, it is generally speaking impurities within the manufacturing process, or low-grade and low pros and low refinement of lithium-ion, which makes the, the product become less stable. Mm. Poor manufacturing standards and quality control. Mm. All of these things, apart from the general manufacturing standards are now going to be hit by product safety requirements. Yeah, they should. I mean, the regulators are not dumb. They uh, they talk to expert, technical experts who tell them these are the risks. This is why all the bad stuff is happening. And then they say, okay, what can we do to yeah. remediate that? What, and, and transparency is the number one. You've also, when you think about it as well, remember when we spoke before about product liability? I think you can expect product liability to also catch up with with batteries causing fires. Yeah. It can cause serious injury or death, and it can cause catastrophic lo economic loss, right? Yeah, that's right. So this idea, I mean, you know, when, when we were looking at uh, e-commerce trading, if it went through that we only provide the platform, we already know that that's gone. Yeah, since okay. what, 2019 already, right? Yeah. 2019, it's, but it's now it's been enforced. Mm, yes. Okay. Yes. You've also got in the EU, you're going to have to have your EU rep. If you've got an e, uh, an, uh, um, a CE certificate, then your EU rep has got to have his name on that product, on that battery. Right, right, yeah. Okay. Plus a passport. Anyway, they're gonna have it like a QR code. You can scan the QR code. You will find some of the information. Again, the details are not known exactly, but I, I would guess declaration the, of conformity. No, the, the regulation doesn't say QR code. It says printed on the battery. Right, but the passport itself. The passport itself will be a QR code, but well on there will be the. Regulator's name, the manufacturer's name and address, and telephone number and website and contact person, the EU representative, their contact details, and their uh, 
status, whatever it's, it's going to be. But mm -hmm. you will have these printed on these batteries. Yeah. yeah. From 20, yeah. 25, which is all 18 sudden, months from now. Yeah. All of a sudden, people people start to pay more attention. That's why I said at the start of this, right now, if you haven't started to get ready for this now, you are behind the eight, eight ball. Oh, if you, I would say if you have developed your own products, I mean, that come with a custom battery, you know, and not a battery that that is not a very standard kind of battery, right? You got to start working on this now to redesign and 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 do some tests with some some batteries from other manufacturers that are better positioned to uh, to to be compliant. If you don't work with a manufacturer that's following up on what what happens in the EU and you set on the EU, yep. you got to start making plans and. And, and try some other batteries and so on. You get to drop that that supplier, basically. I would say you've got to drop that supplier like a hot potato and right now. Right, 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 right. And at the same time, I mean, we talk about this and some people really get scared, right? They see what happened on that ship. They see what happens with the fires in the garage and everything. They see, they see the the... the Tesla, you know, oh, it burned out. You know what happened? What happened? Really scary, right? Well, and more than on the once. Other hand, yeah. and, and and on the other hand, sometimes I talk to people and they're like, oh yeah, I have these um, these problems. You know, some people complain, ta ta ta. You know, not sure what sh what I should do. And I'm like, okay, well, do you have you some talk to you, 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 Well, the idea is with this, you talk to you talk to compliance experts. And you ask them, what do I need to yeah. do? Right. Yeah. Basically, there's two aspects. There's a compliance and legal aspect. And yeah. if their product might cause a fire or uh, whatever, electrical shock to a user or something like that, they should talk to someone who knows, you know, who can tell them exactly what their risk is and so on. And 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 maybe they have some obligations already of doing a recall and so on. Well, at least they should immediately stop selling and send a notice. I mean, they should do something, right? So there's the compliance and legal side. And I, I'm sure you have something to, to add to that. There's also the the design and manufacturing review, you know, the, the failure analysis. What exactly led to this, right? And then, so I, yeah. I tell them, okay, send me the, um, do, do you have some photos or videos of the users? What kind of complaint do they have? And do you have some failed samples? So, so for a failure, failure analysis, right? Because if you don't have that, the failure analysis is not going to be. Um, yeah, but, but, that, but let, let, let's be let's be honest here. If you, uh, and both you and I have been to manufacturers, and as soon as we start talking about P and D and fe and, and femurs, yeah, what is that? What's that? What is that? Right, a risk analysis at the at the design yeah. stage. What, what? Yeah, what are you talking yeah. about? We just we just copied the design from that other stuff and like we hacked it together until it worked. We, we, the test is okay. Look at the final test is fine. You know, no, it's not good. Right. So yeah, this to, is the stage where we're at. Okay. The, yeah. This is the bad stage. Bad supplier where, selection. Yeah. Bad supplier selection, bad supplier management and make it cheap at all costs. And at the same time, what, what I was going to is really the lack of awareness of a lot of importers. And sometimes they send us some um, some videos or photos or something, and it's clearly like 
Dean is already like catching fire or something. And there's this the smoke and stuff. This is an enormous safety hazard, you know? I mean, you're still selling it and you, you're just talking to us like matter of fact, you know, like, oh yeah, well, there's some users complaining, you know, like it's a function issue, but it's a huge it's, safety it's issue. Burned down by house is rather a large customer complaint. Yeah, usually, because for every time there's a, a house burnt down, there's maybe a thousand cases or, or 10,000 cases where it's charging, something goes wrong, there's already some smoke, uh, whatever. A piece of the that casing would... starts to melt, right? And then they plug, they, they unplug it. And it keeps going because it's, it's called a runaway thermal event. You can't stop so it. In some cases, in most cases, no, fortunately, no. But it's like the pyramid, right, of, of safety hazards, right? Here you have a bunch of people die and and so on. And then, okay, here there's a thermal runaway that leads to maybe a house burning. Here there's a thermal runaway that is kind of isolated. Here there's a near, you know, but there's, there's so many more cases, right? A, a near accident of thermal runaway. And then here there's already some smoke, a little bit of like sparks or whatever, but it doesn't go into thermal runaway. And here, blah, 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 blah right? So yeah. it's just amazing um, how many cases of, of near thermal runaways there, there are. There is, and the, it, which brings us to, okay, prevention. Now, the, the, the BMS and the charging system, mm. certain, certain things, okay, which are, should be common and should be obvious, only use the charger which is matched to the product from the same manufacturer, which means, of course, that half of these hole-in-the-wall charger things last a month or two, and then they're going to be thrown away. Okay, well, that's not very good. Those have got to be looked at. There is a whole compliance requirement for battery chargers, for lithium-ion cells, which is BSENIEC 60335-2-29-2021 plus A1 2021, which replaces EU 2006-66EC. New regulation New just AC for things. charges. Right, 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 right. Which must be fitted with thermal detection. Yeah. How many of these do I see? Not many. Not many. Right. Is this... So that... What you mentioned is not a regulation. It's an IEC standard, right? So it's a technical standard. It's a technical it's standard. It's E-N. It's B-S-E-N-I-E-C. Okay, okay. It's a, product, so, it's a product standard. Okay. It's E-N, but under what directive or regulation? Then is it like... It comes with the IEC regulation. Or? Yeah, it comes with the IEC regulation. It's, it's, a, it's a CE standard. Okay, it's under a CE standard. Okay, mm. okay. E-N, E-N is C-E. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. So, so it must meet that standard. Mm-hmm. Now. <laughs> so basically what it means is that the technical standard uh, issuers like the IEC, but also the regulators like the EU Commission have been working on this already for a while, right? For a but while. The, but there's still a lot of non-compliant product that get developed and 
shipped to the EU and sold in the EU and everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, this problem is not going to be stopped overnight. Hmm. Two things that I see, and this is why I say that these things are all going to be joined together when it comes to the product passport. It's going to be policed by the general public, by the consumer. If if it's reported then to the authorities, then they've already got a European-wide database of products because your product has got to be registered. Hmm. Your technical file is registered with that database. Your EU rep is there just waiting to get himself locked up and put in prison. Contacted for further uh, clarifications first. Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, all the building blocks are in place. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, this Next is not, year. It's not just for batteries, right? Eco design regulation. No, 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 no. Eco design regulation is is we across the board for everything. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. It's just that we're talking today about about health and safety relating to lithium ion, lithium ion cobalt, lithium ion cadmium batteries. What I'm saying is that it's just yet again another challenge hmm. which are going to be facing the supply chain based out that's based out of Asia. Well, anywhere really, but based hmm. in Asia. Hmm. And especially here. China still represents more than eighty one percent of manufacturing in consumer electronics. Yeah. Yeah. It's not specifically against China, but obviously not one they're of these the, regulations mentioned the word China. They, they are the, the, the main interested party, let's say. Right. Yeah. And compliance for, for from where I'm sitting, compliance was a nice thing to have. It was a nice we are compliant to it, but yeah, it don't really matter. Hmm. That's why I say that if we look at the history, certainly in the past three years, it's given people pause. And that pause has translated into action now. Yeah, yeah, things have definitely accelerated. But I think it's, I think, and that's what you had in mind. Uh, that's what you were mentioning. Regulations and technical standards are coming together, uh, but just the the massive amount of consumer electronics and electric vehicles of all kinds, including scooters, uh, bikes, etc., that are put on the market there are going to be more and more and more accidents, right? Until things get yes, better. It's inevitable. Right. But what I'm saying is that the people who are buying these products now, I'm talking about the, the people that are buying from the manufacturers here, the the liability that they face is not going to wait for them to put it right. They tried that mechanism for seven years. Hmm. They tried industry policing for seven years and it didn't work. Yeah, now the approach is different. You must do the it, approach. if not. Yeah. As, I, as I said the, the other day, okay, we, we transpose the word shall to shall, yeah, and should to will, and could to must. Right, right. This is what people now really start need to get into their heads and look at this from the idea of compliance risk. Compliance risk is no longer just a nice thing to put on the wall. You must do a risk analysis. And that risk analysis must include compliance to the law. Because, remember, 
Directives become regulations and regulations are law. Your options are simple. Stop selling. Stop selling them in our market if you cannot mm. comply with these laws. Mm. Period. Yeah, right. So, and let me ask, uh, and this can be our last, uh, the, the last question, because I think you did a nice job covering the uh, the topic. We talked a lot about the EU regulations, right? So this is for companies that sell their products on the EU market. But what about if they sell in Australia, USA, Canada? Things are changing over there also, right? Yes, it's called the Consumer, Prote the Consumer Protection and Health and Safety Act. It is an almost carbon copy of, e of EU, uh, the European Union, eco-design and sustainability. It's almost oh, the really? same. Is it is it in discussion? You mean, or it's going to be brought in at the same time? I see. And then, I mean, at the same time, all these um, IEC technical standards that you mentioned will all be harmonised under a global standard. Yeah, they're also UL standards, right? They're also published in the yes. US as UL standards. Now, they might not be as of now. Anyway, they might not be a must, they're sort of voluntary standards right now. However, if you want to sell to a big retailer, if you want to sell through Amazon and so on, these yeah. Yeah. Uh, these retailers are going to ask for it. There is no large retailer who is going to be buying unless you meet these requirements yeah. because yeah. the product liability risk is so high. Yeah, And if you want to be insured, Uh, like you the insurance and so on. That's right. And if you want to be paying super high import tax as well, because there is also a tax reduction if your eco-design sustainability meets certain criterias. In other words, your LCA and CSRD are all being approved and legalized, then you pay less tax and you pay less import duty. But if it don't, even if they will let you put it in, you're going to be paying for it. The idea is to stop the cheap poorly made imports, especially the ones which are either harmful to the environment or harmful to public health. So here you're talking about the USA again? Talking globally. Okay. Well, so you... all the major markets. Yeah. You're talking about the direction where it's probably going to go. Is that correct? I would say by 2030. Yeah, you will be looking at... That's the direction by 2030. We already know some dates are set in concrete. Okay, we know that 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 may that May of next year for LCAs. We already know that 2025 for the general products passports. We know that 2030 for net zero carbon. We know that 2030 as well for uh, 80% of products shall be recyclable. These dates are not moving. In fact, remember, what are we now? Three months time? No, yeah, about three months, I think it is, before COPS 27. Yeah, things might accelerate. In, in I think if you, you are, we, we yeah. should be expecting some major announcements at COPS 27. Just because the climate crisis has, has, has reached uh, um, alarming proportions, well, right? If you look mm -hmm. at some of the, some of the, some of the, 
predictions which are now coming out of the universities, especially Ox uh, Oxford study, which has just been published the other day, we're probably already too late. Right. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> that's a very positive I mean, note. That's a, that's a positive note, but I mean, you know, the, the doom and gloom is not everything. The question is, yes, we can help, and that's why we set up this company, which I've set up, and as well as what you do. But we have to be realistic. We cannot help everybody. There are, and there has been, both of us know this because we we talk a lot about this, cases where we have to say, I'm sorry, but it's too far gone. You've... Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Either, either companies don't want to fix the problem or they, yeah, they basically have to stop what they're doing and start fresh because they've, they work with the wrong supplier, the, the products have been designed the wrong way, everything is wrong. They just have to, you know, <laughs> if, if they want to transition, sometimes it's a long transition with very unsafe and non-compliant kind of products. Yeah, right, right. Anyway, so, I think we, we've run a bit a bit long on this podcast, so yeah. on this very positive note that it's basically too late, um, <laughs> but, but also on this prediction nope. that... Yes, don't buy a beach house. <laughs> right, not too close to the, the coastline. Not too close to the sea, um, yeah. Right. Uh, on, on this very uh, positive piece of advice, uh, th thanks a lot, Clive. Uh, so I um, uh, just uh, remind the listeners, Clive is now a senior partner and head of manufacturing compliance services in a law firm in China called Guangdong Liang Malo. He and you can still get hold of me through SMC compliance as well. So, right. From my okay. website. Yeah, still the same. Um, all through same. you, obviously. Okay. Thanks to all the listeners. Thank you, Clive. And uh, talk to you next week as usual. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.